Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us for another podcast of Reconciling Grace. This is a panel discussion where we talk about topics related to the Bible. Joining me today is Josh Kugel, who is the pastor of First Baptist Church of Lyman in Gulfport, Mississippi. Pastor Mac, Don McDonald, pastor of Danforth Reformed Church in Danforth, Illinois, retired, but kind of not retired, but he's still there. And I'm Pete Vecchi. I'm associate pastor for Christway Community Church, Pleasantville, Ohio. And we have been doing Reconciling Grace. I think, Don, you said that this was number 158 or something of all of our episodes. And it hasn't always been just the three of us. Um, and one of the things that we did back, oh, probably a couple, three years ago, was start talking about what we called Christian sayings. And we'd come back to this topic every now and then and talk about what maybe some Christian sayings had been that maybe we'd seen on T-shirts or on bumper stickers or other things like that. And we thought that maybe today we'd go back to that and discuss maybe one or two or three different uh, sayings that we've heard. Maybe these wouldn't necessarily be on bumper stickers. Maybe they're a little bit longer than you'd see there. Or does anybody use bumper stickers anymore? You know, T-shirts, I don't know. But what we're thinking about doing is just discussing a couple of these. So how about the first one, guys? The first one is this. This is something that we hear a lot of. God won't give you more than you can handle. What do you guys think of that? I think when, when I hear it and people say that, there are times where they're like, why is he giving it to me? And this is already too much. And I'm wondering if I can handle it. And yet here's the truth. God won't give me more than I can handle. And, and, you know, you always find yourself sort of saying, okay, how do we, as it were, rectify this saying to a hard time of life? And, you know, I, I always talk about the reality of a rubber band at that point that, you know, you get stretched and God stretches you for a reason. So you can learn more about yourself, you know, Consider it pure joys, James Wright, when you face trials of all kinds. You know, that's that sense of being in the presence of God and handling this in such a way that you learn more about yourself and your relationship to God as you approach that saying of God won't give you more than you can handle. So that that's some of my thinking on that one when I put it together in my mind. I don't know, Josh, what about you on this one? So um, I think um, that a lot of people get these sayings from something that's sound that's like this, or that 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 I've seen something like this in Scripture. First Corinthians ten thirteen. Yep. The temptations, up. the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. So, in other words, we're all tempted, and God is faithful. Absolutely. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way so that you can endure. So I think from that, we find that the Bible kind of supports this idea 
that we won't be tempted beyond what we can endure or that when we're tempted uh, to an ex extreme amount, God still will give us a way that we can find our way out of it. It's a lot, it's a huge stretch to say that you won't be tempted what you can beyond what you can endure and God will give you a way out to saying that you will never experience anything in your life that is more than you can handle. Um, as a matter of fact, there's no scripture that would lead you to believe the second, um, but the first is straight from scripture. Um, a lot of people think when they're going through tremendous loss, they'll say, um, you know, I just lost my, my brother, I just lost my friend, I just lost my dog, all this in the same week, but I know God must think a lot of me because he would not give me more than I can handle. Um, the truth about it is absolute baloney. Um, you cannot handle anything on your own. As a matter of fact, so many people try to handle things on their own and they make a mess out of their life and they're doing it with very minor things. Um, we are not able to handle our fallen state. We were not made to handle our fallen state. And if we don't learn to rely on God who is able to do anything, um, we're going to find ourselves in a huge mess of our own making. So I think by intention... This fallen life that we have is far more than we can handle because we're supposed to know that we need God for any meaningful thing in this life. Um, and so, yeah, if you ever think this is more than I can handle, you are 100% right. And it doesn't help for somebody around you to say, well, no, 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 this is a, this, you can do this. Um, no, you can't. And you're not made to. It's too much. I, I remember I remember a pastor of mine back when I was probably gosh 23 24 years old he used to talk about the fact that we will often pray the prayer God help me and he said really what we ought to be praying is God I am helpless I need you a hundred percent so my question is, and I, I don't know what, what version you read there, Josh. Uh, mine, I'm just going to read from the NIV right now. This is uh, New Living, just so you New know. New Living. Okay, mine says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Um, I, I think that... There is something to this because, again, it's common to humans, to, common to people. Um, but the, the key right there is what, what I read in the second sentence. God is faithful. And that's what we have to rely on. God is faithful. What do you think, Don? You got this interesting look on your face. I I was, um, as you guys are dancing around Corinthians, I'm dancing around James. Because what I always find interesting is underneath James 1, Trials and Temptations, there's a part of it where if any of you ask for wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. There's a sense of God opening the door, that sense of God will lead you through this, dancing a little bit with the first Corinthians. But what's interesting is, you know, he won't give you more than the handle, but you have to walk with him. You have to do what he says, you know, because verse six of James one says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. You know, there's that sense of, I guess in my brain, 
taking responsibility for what God is giving you to act on to though, you know, and that's what you're seeing with the, with the Corinthians text and the James text. There's a sense of God will place you where you need to be, but make sure you act on what God gives you to act on too. You know, there, there's that dance there. And I'm sort of saying it as a weak need Calvinist, because in some ways I'm saying in your human free will, you have to act on what God gives you. You have to walk through that with him in that journey. Um, and, and that's something that always keeps in my mind that that reality of God not giving you more than you can handle. And he's there and God is faithful to carry us through. But you also have to act on what God gives you, too. Well, Jesus did that. And I mean, I, I don't think that we should think of ourselves as being better than Jesus. I mean, Jesus was tempted. The Bible is clear that Jesus was tempted. Satan tempted him when he was in the wilderness. And I believe he was just as tempted in Gethsemane, where he even asked for the cup to be removed from him. Um, temptation simply means you, you, you really want to have something different happen, but that doesn't mean that you fall into it. It's very important for us to stress that temptation itself is not sin but giving into the temptation is. Um, well, I, I also want to, when we go back to the original question, what do you think about God won't give you more than you can handle? Does God give it? That's the that's the statement. Yeah, I'm saying that's the question that I have. When, when you ask me about that, my first thought is, does God give it? Is he the one who gives it? Is, is God the one who gives you trial well he gives you trial i i, I like know. to say he gives us tests but he's he doesn't bring us temptation job, job said he gives and takes it away yeah i mean when when you look this is a uh this is a calvinist question isn't it i can feel it <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who are listening to reconciling grace the delightful banter between a baptist and reformer <laughs> Is he God fully sovereign or are we in our human free will acting on what God gives us? It's a dance. <laughs> yes, but, but isn't the premise of that question that if something is happening that is bad in my life, it is from God? So I, I just addressed, I don't think it more than we can handle. Absolutely not. You're, in the Lord's Prayer, we say deliver us from evil. Why, why, why would we say that if we can take care of it? So I, I think that part, I think, is obvious. But this part, that God won't give you more than you can handle. That he's moving in and through. But it, I mean, if I give you a gift, I'm not giving you something that Pete gave, I mean, is the one who owns. What do you mean, Josh? I'm not understanding. I'm saying... If I, if I lose a loved one and somebody says, well, God won't give you more than you can handle, then the question is, did God take my loved one? Was God the fault? Was he the, now let's say they died in a car wreck because they were drinking. God won't give you more than you can handle. Whoa. <laughs> Yeah, what are you teaching me, God? What are you doing in my life? What is this, well, this thing here? I think they died, personally, I think they died because they were drinking and driving, and they caused it. But now this question, 
Now, this question has the presupposition that God is the one who orchestrated that death. One of the ways that I like to look at it, and I heard it put this way many, many years ago, back when I was in, in Bible college, is that in this world that is broken, this world is sinful. I mean, when I'm saying sinful, it's infected and affected by sin. So it does not function the way that God originally created it in Genesis 1. And so what normally happens, and this is this is a, a way that was put to me that I and I really have seen to be generally the case, is that God generally allows the natural consequence of things to take place unless he chooses to supernaturally intervene. And when he does that, it's not because uh, of somebody's goodwill or good merit or, or good graces. It's because he is glorified in it. So, I mean, if we never faced any problems, if we never had any um, bad things happen, no Christian would ever wear glasses. No Christian would ever have to go to the doctor. No Christian would ever die. We could be talking to Peter and Paul themselves, you know. Um, bad things do happen. It's because the the world is infected and affected by sin, and it is not functioning the way that it was originally created to function. I guess I keep coming back to, because really what we're leaning in on is the problem of evil and the purpose thereof. Is really what we're doing. And, and I think... In my 30 plus years of ministry, I think the the difficult questions are, why did my loved one commit suicide? Why did I have this stillborn? Um, you know, why am I fighting cancer for the third time? And and I I I find as I work within the life of a very true reformed church that God is sovereign and he's watching over you and he's showing you even in these tough times, his love is still there to lean on. So I, I tend to, when, when I look over this, God won't give you more than you can handle. It's because in that reality, you're learning the reality of how much he loves you in spite of the brokenness, in spite of those mm. things in life. And, and I think that's the thing that really comes to my mind, you know, from a practical theology viewpoint. When I look over that, God won't give you more than you can handle. It's because he's there loving you. And in that love, even in the tough times, he's going to get you through it. So it, it's it's that, you know, the, the hardest thing I found parenting, and really in some ways as I parent adult children is, getting out of the way and letting them make their mistakes so that they learn what it is to be their own people in, in what they're doing in life and, and to see them deal with the hurt and then see them blossom from the hurt um, is, is a powerful thing. Yeah. I think as I'm, I'm, I, I don't disagree. I just think, I think this is a horribly worded and a really bad saying. Um, I don't think it's founded in scripture. God won't give you more than you can handle. Gives the idea that we'll never have something so hard that we can't endure it. Yeah. But the yeah. truth is, um, but the other part of it is, it also says that God is the one who gives us all of the things that we are struggling to handle. Um, and 
as somebody who's made a really a lot of really dumb decisions, I would like to blame God for those. Um, <laughs> it would sure make me feel a lot better. But the other thing is, um, everything in the world should teach us that there's a better kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> and I can't handle outside of God's sovereignty the emptiness, the death, the hardship that the world brings. Yep. I cannot handle it. Yep. Um, and so would God give me more? Well, he's not the author of the problems of the world. We are. Um, and again, that may see how you see his sovereignty and everything. But I think even in that discussion, we wouldn't necessarily credit God with. I don't know. But I, I would say that we. Uh, um, that life outside of God's kingdom is supposed to show us that it ends in death. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. And so I just I think that's a horrible statement that has made its way into Christian common verbiage. Hey, uh, I realize you know everybody in your family died and your dog ran away, and um. And your power was just turned off. But I just want you to know, God won't give you more than you can handle. Wait, you mean God did this? I thought it was me not paying the bills and my, you know, the whoever that. Um, no, no, no. God won't give you more than you can handle. Well, I'm struggling here. A better thing would be to say, man, if you're going through this, why don't you turn to Jesus? Because you're not made to handle this. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah. And I think it's also important too, Josh, that, um, you know, you've, you've brought up a couple of things that it's where where the people are in a situation because they have caused that situation. I mean, I, I've known of people who have been killed because they were just in the wrong place at the wrong time, had nothing to do with them doing anything wrong at all. And, you know, all of a sudden a family is grieving because, you know, they were in the wrong place these people were in the wrong spot having done nothing at all wrong you know they were they were not doing anything against the law they were not doing anything sinful they just you know were the victims of of some strange accident i mean jesus even talked about that he was talking about do you think these people where the tower of siloam fell on them were worse sinners than others he says no they weren't you know bottom line was they just were in the same in the in the wrong place but that's because we all face those kinds of things so I, I think that one of the things that, that maybe this discussion is bringing out for me is to say that, yes, even though it ends in death, as a Christian, we have hope. And that is the one thing that we can rest on. I mean, I, I've, I've, I've been to so many funerals in my life. You know, I've been to funerals of people who I don't think were Christians. I've been to funerals for people who I'm, you know, as far as I know, they, they were absolutely Christians. And I, I just keep wondering, you know, what is it that people have hope in if they don't turn to Christ? And so, Josh, I like what you said about, about I, I don't remember the exact words you used, but that, yes, things will end badly, but we have Christ to turn to, and that's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to point us towards him. And I think we're leaning into one of the other sayings was basically all sin is the same. So I, I'm going to take us to number three option rather than number two, Pete. Because, All right, that's good. 
because really what we're dealing with is what is the reality of sin? What is the reality of responsibility that each believer has? Because Josh, I think, has said it so well that, you know, we we tend to downplay the reality of sin in our lives as we deal with where God is in this process. You know, we, we don't want to talk about sin anymore. We don't want, you know, um, and, and so I, I don't know that that's where I was thinking about, you know, all, all sin is the same. And I know before we began this, we were sort of like, do we even talk about sin in the church anymore? Um, type of reality. Cause that's really what we're dealing with is God is sovereign. God is in control of everything, but we still have the reality of sin that's all around us. Um, that, that's something that really was touching me as I was listening to that that one saying and now you shift to is all sin the same is that reality there because i think we like to downplay our sinfulness and our brokenness and maybe that's because i'm a good old reformer you know that believes in the reality of total depravity we start knowing we are broken we start knowing from the moment we were born that we were broken but god is there to redeem us mm -hmm. sometimes we want to ignore the reality of sin in our faith journeys. I don't know. Am I on the money or off the money on that? No, I like what you did there. I mean, that was a segue for all of our listeners. That was a segue to saying number two, which is all sin is the same. That's the popular saying that we've heard. And and I think there's at least two, two sides of this aspect because on one hand, and we were talking about this off mic before we started, um, in one, in one hand, the Bible does basically say if you've broken part of the law, you've broken the whole law. And that is biblical. But then, Josh, as you were saying, that has to deal with our standing before God. And when you brought up this saying, Josh, you said it in such a way that I believe that you were, you were comparing this to say yes, but not all sin affects other people the same. Is that kind of how you were saying yeah, it's, it? It's really popular in a church to say that all sin is the same. And I think that's a partly true statement. Um, but we like to dismiss, well, if you murdered, it's the same as if you lied. Um, that kind of thing. And, and, and yes, from God's perspective, all sin separates you from God. God is completely perfect. And if you have any spot on you, even if it's you, you one time had a, a small amount of lust in your heart when you looked at a person. If that's the only thing you've ever done, that's just as bad as if you murdered, if you were, you know, the, the biggest mass murderer in history, because both separate you from God. But we also know the physical fallout from having lust one time in your heart when you look at someone else is nothing like the physical fallout of killing a bunch of people. And so... While to God, all sin separates us from God, even in Scripture, we see people who committed sins being treated differently based on the severity of their sin. And the other thing we really need to understand is that when we sin, it creates problems, not just for us and other people, that forgiveness and reconciliation are supposed to fix. Um, so I, it just bugs me when I hear this in church. Well, all sin's the same. We all... You know, it's not yes and no. First, you're not God. 
<laughs> you know, um, and so let's just get that out of the way. All sin separates you from God. 100% all sin separates you from God. Um, at the same time, I'm not going to let you be on uh, the, the children's leadership team if you have done something that puts someone else in danger and there's no, I, I don't know. Um, I, I just think this is a goofy saying, especially when we read in scripture that different people who have done different bad acts are punished at different severities. Um, so obviously that's not a biblical concept, it doesn't seem, unless we're talking about from God's perspective or in your relationship with God, all sin is is equal. All sin separates. I think we're talking consequences of sin. If you know, I was saying when when you were when you were talking, I kept thinking, Josh, about King David was not allowed to build the temple because of him spilling blood. There, there was that consequence of that, um, and and so. You know, I, I was thinking about Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all sin. We all have that before us. But the consequences of sin, besides being the general one separating us from God, amen to that one, Josh. But the consequences of it sometimes are different for each believer, dependent upon what God's trying to teach us. I'm running back to the handle one again you know, that that reality is there. And and that's something that, and, and the problem I've been really praying over probably the last 10 years has been, we can't be shy about being a broken people. We, we've spent probably the last 30 years giving pep up talks about how great we are. I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to say it. Our seeker sensitive style of worship in my mind, has weakened the theology of how broken we are. That that we're not in that light. You know, I, I believe in the power of, hey, we got to present Christ. We got to have a good feeling about it. I believe in all that. But I also believe we come to Lord's table broken and needing God's redemptive touch. You know, and, and I think we've weakened the theology of we are sinners in need of constant forgiving and grace. I don't know. What do you think, Pete? I, I don't disagree with anything you're saying. I'm just trying to think about how to put this in, in a practical sense. Um, because it almost seems to me as though what, what we're saying here is yes. And again, we all agree. Sin separates us from God. Every single sin separates us from God. However, our different sins might have an effect on how are we showing love to each other, love to other people. Um, you know, I, I think that we, we used to hear the terminology um, probably especially back in the, in the, you know, seventies and eighties where you'd have these, these wild, long-haired hippies running up to people in the street yelling, repent, repent, you know, and, and you know, thinking that was going to bring somebody to God. Well, I, you know, in one sense, they're, they're right. You know, if you don't know Jesus, you need to repent. But, you know, 
when you're looking at it in such a way as are we talking about the sin that separates you from God or the sin that separates you from other people? There's there's different ways of looking at it. And I think we have to be careful how we present sin as well. Um, we need to definitely point out when sin is sin. But I think we need to do so sometimes tactfully. You know, otherwise you're going to you're going to do more to, to push people away. You know, Jesus was the hardest on the people who should have known better. You know, in the Bible, the 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 Pharisees, the Sadducees, the the religious leaders, he was hardest on them. Um, now, he didn't tell people who didn't know about God, who didn't know God. He didn't tell them that they should just go off and do what they wanted to do. He would say, you know, go and sin no more. But he wasn't he wasn't, you know getting on their case about every single sin now he was about the pharisees well why because the pharisees were getting on everybody else's case about every single sin you know so he, he knows P, where they are what's you that? brought up you brought up the tower right yeah you, you remember what jesus said when he said when he was talking about the tower that fell on him yeah he said and if you don't repent and turn to god even more is even worse is waiting for you yeah i I don't know how you can say that's not calling out people who are okay. That in that case, yes, I'm talking in general though. You know, when he would when he would come up to somebody, uh, you know, the 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 woman caught in adultery, for instance, he didn't say, "Hey, what you're doing is okay." Yeah, and he said he said, "Go and sin no more." When when he 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 approached Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus was not living for God, but Zacchaeus repented, and Jesus rejoiced over that. You know, that's the kind of stuff I'm saying. Um, I'm not saying nothing bad is ever going to happen to people. No, no, no. But, I'm saying I, I think he called out not just the Pharisees. I think he called out sinners pretty regularly. Um, but you're right. Maybe not personally. Maybe we don't have record of him personally. Well, I mean, if you talk about the Samaritan woman, he. Hey, I love you. Stop doing this. Yeah. But but I do think with, with especially with the Tower of Salome. Salome. Yeah. He, he said, I mean, he was pretty clear. Hey, and if you don't repent and turn to God, even worse is happening to you than what happened to these people when the tower fell on him, fell on him and killed him. Um, but maybe he didn't call out a, spe a specific sin. Then I don't know. But Pete, let me ask you a question. When was the last time you were in a church and the pastor clearly called out a a very specific not now i'm not talking about what we do today like you should be nice to people and if you're not nice to people you know very easy things to call out last time they called out divorce in a church when was the last time i was in a church that called out divorce uh i don't remember what about uh and, and this is this is this is a, a current one what about homosexuality I'm trying to remember if it's been in conversations or in churches. I have heard that one mentioned. Mentioned. Well, I mean, as far as being sinful, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I think, I mean, Don was getting at it, I think. I, I don't think we call out sin in church ever. Um, I do, but I'm, you know. I, I, yeah, but Baptist. you're Josh. I, I <laughs> I'm Southern Baptist. We do that all the time. <laughs> I think that, no. that really comes to my mind is... If we cannot have a, you know, just recently, 
you know, dealing with our culture and how far we've walked away from God, there's almost a sense of, but you don't, can't talk about this, but you can't talk about that. And all of a sudden you get this list and every once in a while, you know, I'm too biblical not to, I'm trained evangelical free church. I'm like people, this is what scripture says. We got to have this conversation, you know, and, and I think when we walk away from scripture and we let culture determine what we preach, then we're in serious trouble. We are, you know, and, and I think scripture is very clear that, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, the woman at the well and all that conversation, you know, Jesus was very gentle with her in one breath. He says, Hey, give me water. Wait a minute. It's the middle of the day. You're not supposed to be here. Wait a minute. I'm a Samaritan and a woman, and you're a Jewish guy. What, what's the story here in that conversation? There was grace and there was gentleness, but at the end, it's like, okay, now that you know who I am and you're walking with me, go and sin no more. He did encounter the sin, but he did it in such a way where there was an established relationship. And I think that's the thing that I think the church is really struggling with how do we maintain a relationship with a broken world while saying, listen, you need Jesus. It's a broken world. We're all sinners. Come on now. It's time to wake up, you know, and, and it's, I, you know, preaching more on the digital ministry stuff. I find myself asking questions like how much will this rock the boat? Is it all right to rock the boat? more than I've ever had before. And yet there are times where, you know, I've said, Hey, I'm just, I'm going to say this with great respect, by the way, Josh, I'm sometimes when I preach more Baptist than I am reformed. Cause I like to rock and roll and get in your face a wee bit, which you Baptists are known for. We, uh, we are. Yeah. And, and so I do the same every once in a while. I just take off and then I have to apologize that I got carried away. But yeah. anyways, there's that or, point of dealing or, with for a short time, I was pastor of a church that had about an equal number of Democrats and Republicans. Yeah. And, and every sermon that dealt with a current topic was very anxious to me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very anxious to me. Yep. And we've bought into, I think, I think you're right. We bought into the cultural pressure that if we talk about something we're wrong, if we talk about something we've drawn a line, whatever, or you're just not supposed to talk about something. Today, there are some gender-related questions that you cannot even ask anymore. And, and if we cannot give clear guidance to something that in scripture seems very clear because of our cultural pressure, and, and I get what you're saying, Pete, and I, I agree with, I've even said it a lot, that um, Jesus was harder on the Pharisees. He was always loving with, with the people who were sinners. And from that, we take that we're never supposed to call out sin, or at least I think sometimes we do. And I wonder if people outside of the church don't know that what they're doing is wrong and that we have something better for them. Meaning that if we constantly affirm their choices or constantly say, well, you're fine where you are. We just want to love you. We just want you to come to our food program. No, I, I want to say, look, the reason you're in so much pain and the reason your family's falling apart is because you haven't respected your marriage and, and God has better plans for you. I would love to introduce you to what God and, and mm -hmm. I don't know, but we're so scared to say that 
but I don't think that fear is is from God, and I don't think that fear is from the work of Jesus, because I think Jesus was plain in his teaching, especially on divorce. He was plain in his teaching on lust. He was plain in his teaching on caring for your... I mean, I, I don't know. I think that part of it, Josh, to me... Now, this is me. Now, first of all, I think I ought to let our listeners know that since I'm an associate pastor, when you talked about when is thing, when have things been preached about, I'm not generally the one preaching. So I, I have to look at it from that Point yeah, and I and Pete, I know, I know, there's no question on where you are and yeah. and stand. I'm just making a general statement. When's the last time, right? You, you've heard this, and that's the reason I'm bringing it us for our, for our listeners because I know that you and Don both are preaching basically every week. Um, I don't, and so when I say I haven't heard it in in um, in in church this or there, I have heard it in church. A lot of times, I'm not the one doing the message. I'm just letting our listeners know that, um, but. Getting back to what you were saying, I think for me, one of the biggest issues is when do I have permission? In other words, that's kind of in quotes, have permission to confront somebody about that because am I going to do more harm? Am I going to drive a wedge in between a relationship that I have started to establish by bringing up something or is it time to bring up that something? You know, that's to me always the question. It's not whether or not it is sinful that what they are doing, but the question would be to me is, is now the time to bring it up? Is this the right time? So I uh, I don't know we're going to get to a third one today, but we can still finish up on this one. Don, looked like you were about to say something. I, I keep coming back to, you know, encountering people with their brokenness and trying to do it in a way that is, edifying to God, edifying to scripture, and yet doesn't break down the relationship that I have with that person. That's really what you're talking about, Pete. And and I think, you know, when we look at, you know, God won't give us more than we can handle. And then the reality of all sin is the same. They sort of do, I think, a fascinating dance because in some ways I find that if I walk into a situation saying, Holy Spirit, this is your time, clarifying my mind what I'm supposed to do and how I'm supposed to do this, sometimes it's like, hey, God's in this moment, no matter how tough, but you need to realize, and this is where I'm 110% with Josh, you need to realize that you need to own your sin in this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Holy Spirit, it's your time to convict. Holy Spirit, it's your time to bring this together. And I don't know how often I'll walk into a situation I've prayed in the Holy Spirit beforehand that they've almost done it for themselves. You know, and, and I think that's something that really, you know, comes to my mind when I'm looking over these two sayings is they're sayings that in essence say, who are you in the presence of God and how much do you need Jesus to get this straightened away? Hmm. I like that. Um, you know, I think we could keep going. As I said, I don't think we're going to get to a third saying today. Um, but I, 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 does either one of you have any more they want to say about either of these or, or closing or, uh, comments or anything like that? I almost said closing arguments, like we're in court or something, you know? No, I don't see no. anybody saying anything. So no, um, general question. Do you guys think that the, that, that the church has a healthy ability to talk about sin. 
Is that another reconciling grace topic? <laughs> yeah, I think so. It may because, be. It, it because may you know, be. I mean, I think you have to. You well, have I to said general in. question and quick answer. You know, <laughs> you have to dig into that possible. one because how often has the church itself been sinful? You know, uh, that's. Well, just look, just look at Martin Luther when he put the 95 theses on the door. <laughs> yeah. So, well, we've been talking here about um, two different sayings, Christian sayings. One is not Christian sayings, popular sayings. Um, God won't give you more than you can handle. And all sin is the same. Have we answered this? I'm not sure, but I know we've discussed it. And hopefully we've given <laughs> people a lot to think about and and you know consider and uh I, i've enjoyed this particular um conversation and you know maybe we'll get to some of the other ones at another time but i think it's about time for us to wrap things up today so for uh josh kugel who is the pastor of uh first baptist church of lyman in gulfport mississippi and for don mcdonald who is the pastor of danforth reform church danforth illinois and for me, Pete Vecchi, who is the associate pastor at Christway Community Church in Pleasantville, Ohio, I want to thank you for joining us for Reconciling Grace. And Lord willing, we'll see you again next time. This has been Reconciling Grace. If you have a comment or a question for our panel, or if you would like to invite one or more of our panelists to share with your church or group, please send an email to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. And thank you for listening to Reconciling Grace. Reconciling Grace.